I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Twelve Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to Twelve Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news from a gambling perspective, advanced metrics perspective, and a fan perspective. Thank you for joining us. It's an exciting week coming up in Week Nine of the Pac-12. The season's gone by very quickly. A lot of double-digit home dogs coming up, so a lot of spreads to talk about, and some real interesting action. Obviously, the Oregon-Washington game was amazing. The Utah ASU game was just the weirdest game that I think I've seen in a while, but um, it is what it is. And Utah came out un skate and looking really good we're going to break down all of week eight and preview week nine and to do that with me is the president guru of the <laughs> the beta rank college football advanced statistical model mr rob bowron what's going on rob oh man i i am excited to be here it was a bit of a roller coaster this week uh with uh with all the games but beta rank finished in the money again 59 percent against the spread overall Ooh, that train keeps rolling going to wait a few more weeks but we've been tracking some really cool stuff in beta rank and uh and uh <laughs> it's come out pretty lucrative so uh but w- want to see the numbers coming a little bit more before we start talking about that with our audience but uh thank you for joining us you can follow us on twitter at 12 pack radio of course you can subscribe on twitter um or on apple Podcasts, google play tuna radio spotify any podcast catcher we are there and of course we record every monday on time and under budget this week and i'm also joined by the um man just somebody who's a man on fire mr max meyer from sports illustrated and max your down week i think most people would want a down week when it comes to your picks man uh how are you i mean i'm good but yeah i mean at least picks on this podcast went three and three SI best bets went two and three, and the Pac-12 ones on those best bets went one and two. One I just absolutely read wrong, and that was uh, Arizona State-Utah. And I, and I even said on the podcast, like, the line is screaming, at least to me, to take Utah. But I, I just – Herm Edwards has, an, has a really solid track record as in keeping games close. And even, and even it, was, it was an 18-point Utah win, and it should have been a lot bigger deficit in that one. And then the other one I got wrong was Washington. And I actually I think that was the right side. So I, I don't I don't feel bad about that. But yeah, definitely hoping for a bounce back week. Yeah, Hifliday, our friend Hifliday has been needling you on Reddit because uh, <laughs> I think you picked against Oregon like three times in a row. And uh, that was that was a fun game. We'll break that down. I really, really enjoyed watching that that game. Um, I, th- I thought both teams came out ready to play. And if you're a Washington fan, um, 
I wouldn't leave that game super disheartened because uh, I thought Washington threw it all out there and um, a couple of mistakes, obviously, but um, we'll get into that a little bit more uh, on the week. So I ended up five and one. So I'm making some moves, but I mean, it just shows you how far ahead you were, Max, when if I go five and one and I'm already like 56 or 57 percent above the uh, <laughs> against the spread and I'm still two picks behind you, uh, that just shows you how big of a lead you've had. So I went five and one. You went three and three and Rob went two and four. And we are all still above 500 against the spread. So uh, we'll try to keep that going as we move forward. Rob, fun week, lots of stuff in, in week eight. What were two or three things that stood out for you when we, you know, just in general after watching uh, just a whole big slate of games? I think what surprised me the most actually in the in this week was that the Washington and Oregon game was defined by the offenses. Um, both offenses actually played very well uh, and ended up rising up in the model uh, considerably in both cases. And uh, it's interesting because what the model then did is it downgraded both defenses. <laughs> so um, Washington's defense really has suffered from, uh, you know, all the losses that they had out there. Uh, but, you know, Oregon, Oregon's dropped a little bit back, too, uh, after letting Washington uh, put up the kind of yards and points they did in that game. So that that stood out to me in the game. And I think uh, I mean, and maybe this is an Arizona fan talking, so I'm going to you know, I'll try to keep it short on the Arizona talk. But just I mean, where we're at with Khalil Tate in Arizona, you know, from where he was as a sophomore um, you know, taking the college football world by storm, you know, then the following season, the cover of Sports Illustrated to the point now where, I mean, there's a lot of questions whether he's even an Arizona starting quarterback to finish out the season. That's kind of amazing. That is just such a turnaround over there. Yeah, and we will cover that. Um, I, I don't want to do it in length, but but I do think it's interesting and the quarterback controversy that's happening there. Two things on my end that stood out were in the the <laughs> the games at the bottom of the slate, you know, uh, Oregon State just just smacked Cal around in the first half and then Cal's defense showed up but Oregon State being able to come back drive 80 yards to win that game I thought was quite impressive and if you're an Oregon State fan I mean you got to have some uh some belief in that coaching staff and what they're building over time like I think their over over under season win total was like two so my two Pac-12 win totals this offseason were Oregon State over two minus 110 and Washington under 10 minus 140 and both those cash this past week hey yeah free up that capital man and <laughs> throw it back into the picks that's great congratulations I, I thought that was really really fun uh the other thing that stood out for me was ucla um just kind of coming out of nowhere and shoot like uh, of course the one the one game where i picked wrong was the ucla stanford game which was the one i thought was i was actually most confident in um i was willing to gamble a little bit thinking that it wasn't going to be jack west there throwing uh the ball around and it was and boy howdy did it definitely show <laughs> But even even then, I mean, just UCLA being able to move the ball against Stanford and, and all that, I thought that was interesting. I don't think it's really going to matter in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, if you're a Chip Kelly fan, at least it's something to put your hat on. Um, but Max, outside of uh, cashing a few more tickets, what else stood out for you this week? Well, no, I'm, with, I'm with Rob. I think the biggest storyline was in Seattle with the offense stealing the show. Because, I, I mean, I did say on the pod that I really like the under, but go, researching it more... Um, the reason why I didn't include it in SI best bets was just looking at who Oregon had played. And I mean, the best offense they had played by far was Colorado. And it was a Colorado team that was banged up and, and going up to Eugene on short rest or not short, but on a short week. And I just thought that Washington, even though they were inconsistent, they were by far the best team in terms of yards per play that Oregon's defense had played. 
this so far this season. And I, I still thought that under 51 was the right side. And I actually took the second half under in that game and that ended up losing. But yeah, well, I, I, like, I think Oregon's defense is good. I, I don't think that it's the elite one that we saw um, over the first half of the season. And I think uh, another one for me, uh, or I guess, yeah, I'll, I'll, two more for me. Um, Cal's offense has really, really gone down the gutter um, with Devin Monster under center. And that's why, I mean, Oregon State was my favorite bet this week. I just thought that, that Cal as a double-digit favorite was insane given the state of the offense and, and the fact that the defense, I mean, the past defense, looking at the numbers, it, it's pretty similar to last year's. But the, the run defense, not even close. Um, and Oregon State, I mean, give, give Cal's uh, defense credit. They were able to rush uh, Jay Luton like a, a good amount of the time. But Oregon State was still able to, you know, come up with some scoring drives. But, man, that that offense against Oregon State and Oregon State had nine sacks. Oregon State. And, and we've been <laughs> we've been um, highlighting on the pod that the one big differential uh, from Oregon State's defense uh, last year to this year is their ability to generate tackles for loss and getting um, opposing teams into second and third and longs. And that's helped them get off the field more, but still allowing nine sacks to Oregon state's pretty inexcusable. And then the other one was a regression darling of mine from early in the season, Colorado, man, that, that offense has really fallen as well. I mean, averaging what, like four and a half, yeah, 4.6 yards per play against Washington state's train wreck of a defense. Yikes. Yeah, it was brutal. And Steven Montez did not look good in that game. Two picks again. I think he's thrown like, I think it's six picks in the last two games. And if you're a Colorado fan, uh, and we have a lot of them that listen to this podcast, I mean, the, the number one feedback is, um, we, we like the leadership and the coaching staff, uh, particularly with Mel Tucker, this all rides on whether or not Montez can show up. And when he doesn't show up, I mean, Colorado just looks so lost. I do want to bring up two fans, uh, two listeners that uh, have just been giving us some pretty fun tips. So um, secret spy 73, who has just been hammering the Washington first quarter line, like all year and been cashing in on that. So congrats to that. So everybody keep a look on that. That's been a really good bet over the course of the season and the golden rule Adam the Palouse giving us a weather report about how it was torrential rain out there and actually took the under right after i heard that so uh thanks to him for for hitting us up water tower joey is his twitter twitter handle at water tower joey uh hey rob let's go to beta rank real fast uh, because we're getting to that point where we're looking at the 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 big picture who's going to make it to the pac-12 championship and do any of these teams have a chance to make the pac-12 or the, i'm sorry the college football playoff where uh where are the top three teams in the pac-12 and beta rank currently so there's a, there's been a bit of a switch. Oregon fell a little bit, even though they did go up to Washington and win. Um, Utah had such a dominant performance. They come in at number nine in beta rank. Um, Oregon's number number two in the conference now at number 12. Uh, USC's down at 23, just one ahead of Washington. Um, so Washington did get knocked a little bit on, particularly on defense uh, for that performance that they had. Not much, though. But this is... Uh, I think when you look at this, this is <clears throat> Oregon. I think they benefit from their only losses is, is that, you know, very early season loss to Auburn. Auburn's played well. That helps, um, you know, and, you know, that that win against Washington was on national television uh, in, a, in a great television slot. So a lot of people did see that game. That really helps the Ducks. And I think that for for Oregon, I think they really only have one 
I say this because I don't know that anyone in the Pac-12 is so good that they can just like have a night off and expect to win. But I mean, really, USC is their only extremely tough game left on their schedule. Utah, they're still in it. I mean, that USC loss, I don't think looks great, uh, given that they, you know, I don't know that anybody thinks USC is great this season. But yeah, Utah's definitely still in it. And they've got one real tough game left, uh, and that's Washington. And then they play most of what you would think of sort of as like the lesser teams in the the Pac-12 South. So they still have uh, Arizona left on the schedule. They have Colorado left on the schedule um, and UCLA left on the schedule. So they uh, if Utah can go, I believe they go up to Washington, if they can go up to Washington and, and come away with a win there and what should be a nationally televised game. I, I don't think the Pac-12 did. Uh, Utah any services by putting that, you know, taking that game and putting it on the Pac-12 network uh, against ASU, which would have, would have been a very good showcase game for the Utes. Oh, for sure. And, you know, hopes that, that Tyler Huntley comes out healthy. I know there were some injury questions yeah. in that game, which is a total bummer. And if you're a Utah fan, just going back to that USC game where you go, man, I wish they would have... Uh, change that defensive scheme up a little bit and maybe made that a little bit closer. But it is what it is. And Utah, my goodness, they looked great against ASU. One more note on ASU. So I know that, look, like, I think ASU is a team that you want to, you don't want to play in like the Redbox Bowl or like the Sun Bowl or the, even like maybe the Holiday Bowl. One of the, one of those upper-ish tier games where it's a fundamental team that doesn't make a ton of mistakes um, I think the coaching is pretty good there. They have some talent, and um, it's it's not a team that you want to play that bowl game against. But in terms of the Pac-12, like I think the reason we weren't covering ASU as much is because I kind of wanted to see how they would perform against solid, like elite competition like Utah, and we kind of just saw that where ASU was good. That win over Washington State was excellent, um, but they're not they they haven't risen to that tier of Oregon or Utah. And, um, and, and that's fine. Like the, this is still a program that's, that's building itself up. And I think that there's some promising things in the future, but does that make sense, Max, when it comes to ASU? What do you, what do you think about that team? Cause it's been, uh, kind of floating under the radar, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I just don't think they've made the jump. Sure. So I, I guess, um, part of my reasoning for taking ASU this week was I, I thought that we had already kind of seen a similar game between ASU and Utah with ASU, Michigan state. And, I guess I mean I, I did write in, in, in my um, in my analysis that Michigan State clearly outplayed ASU in that game and that ASU was very lucky to get the win, but I, I still thought that ASU was going to get the co- or ASU deserved to get the cover in that game as a two touchdown uh, underdog, regardless. And I mean the the quick throws that that worked against Michigan State they didn't work against Utah at all. And I think also the weather played a, a, a factor in that as well. But, I, I mean, I still think Utah would have rolled anyway. Um, Zende- uh, their kicker, Zendejas, I, he – granted, weather again, but he had a strong start to the season but just hasn't been the same. Uh, and, and Utah, I mean, they that defensive line is, is – it's just something else. Yeah. And it really, it really is like – it is a top – three at, at, at the worst top three in the country uh, defensively. I mean, Bradley, Nay, he was everywhere in that game. And yeah, no, I mean, Utah, like, I, I think that Oregon 
in terms of like Vegas power ratings, I, I still think that they are slightly higher than Utah. Like if, if those two teams played it, played in uh, Santa Clara right now, I'd probably have it as Oregon minus two, minus two and a half. But those two teams, I mean, they're just such the, they are the cream of the crop. And I think ASU, I think that their time is next season, not this season. Yeah, before we get into our picks, I did want to highlight, you know, we, we talk about the, the clothing optional Vivid Seats studio, but, um, but they are a sponsor of the podcast and I like them a lot. So, um, if you're looking to go to a game, there's a lot of big games coming up. Um, definitely check out Vivid Seats. It's a top, tor- uh, top source of tickets for events that you want to go to. Um, download their app. So if you haven't checked, checked them out before, they do something pretty interesting. They have a loyalty program. So the more tickets that you purchase, the more benefits that you get with the program. I actually downloaded their app to buy my Arizona ticket when I went down to Tucson to watch Arizona get stomped by Washington. I saved 10%. You save up to $100 on your ticket purchase. Um, but if you haven't used them before, definitely use the promo code overtime to get those tickets and, and get a discount on them. Um, tickets get expensive and it's great to have options. And Vivid Seats is a really solid app and a, and a just a really good program. I like them a lot. Um, everything is 100% backed by a buyer guarantee um, from concerts to shows to games. You name it, they have it. So download the Vivid Seats Studio app. Use the promo code OVERTIME, get logged into that rewards program, and save up to $100 on your next ticket purchase. And let's talk about the games right now. Hey, um, can I get some Pac-12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner? You want it? Pac-12 gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby, just bust a move. Okay. All right, we are back. And a fun slate this week. A lot, a lot of big spreads. Uh, and Max, I'm glad you're on this show because I looked at all of these spreads and I just went, uh, I might take the day off. <laughs> I might take this week off uh, making some bets. I just I don't have a good handle on how to handle these. And let's start with uh, one of the more premier games right now and a spread that I, I just kind of was perplexed about. Washington State is a 14-point underdog on the road at Autzen. And uh, Washington State, of course, came off a brutal stomping of Colorado, forty-one to ten. We'll talk about that game in a sec. And but I, I, we really do need to give Oregon, Washington, a little bit more love here. Oregon thirty-five, Washington thirty-one. Um, I thought Justin Herbert looked pretty solid, twenty-four thirty-eight. He missed some throws that I was a little perplexed about, but uh, two hundred eighty yards and four touchdowns, no picks on on the game. So if that's a bad game for Justin Herbert. Uh, my goodness, I would love to have him as a quarterback. But I do think the story was 285 yards on the ground uh, from Oregon. They just were able to run up uh, the face of Washington. I mean, just Travis died, uh, CJ Verdell, uh, Habibi Likio, just everybody got theirs. And uh, Johnny Johnson, we, you know, like we were always talking about Juwan Johnson. I think we got the wrong one. Uh, Johnny Johnson has been tearing it up all year. Five catches for 90 yards. And Max, let's go to you here. What were some other keys to that game? What, what else stood out for you in terms of Oregon? Just being able to get it done on the road and going on into another big game here. Um, well, I, I guess like some of the smaller things, like I, Mario Cristobal going for it fourth and one. I think it was like Oregon's own like 34 or something like that. I feel like that's a decision that he might have shied away from in the past, especially because they were down. And if Washington would have stopped them, it would have been over. But credit where I'll give credit where credit is due. I mean, it was it was the right call and it worked. And then that drive ended up being a, a touchdown drive for Oregon. Uh, Mark, uh, Marcus Arroyo, the offensive coordinator, 
his play calling has definitely been under fire in big games like this. And there was uh, another fourth down on that drive, fourth and three, which Crystal Ball correctly went for again. And they ran this beautiful play where Jalen Red uh, was in motion toward the backfield. And then Herbert, like, play action. And then, um, or sorry, not Jalen, Micah Pittman. Pittman uh, was in motion toward the backfield. Herbert, uh, fake, uh, fake handoff. And then Pittman, reverse course, went back out into the flat. Herbert found him. Oregon had blockers. They had space. And, and Pittman rolled into the end zone to end the third quarter. Like, that was an unbelievable and beautiful uh, play devised by Arroyo. And Herbert, his accuracy was definitely inconsistent in the beginning, but he also made some big-time throws. There was, a, I think there was a third and ten where Washington sent five and Oregon's right tackle, uh, Calvin Throckmorton, was beat. And Herbert delivered a dart on an out route uh, with pressure in his face, and that uh, ended up converting for first down. So I really think that Herbert, like, uh, he made some really big throws in the beginning and it's been it's or in the uh, at the end of the game, and it's been Oregon's defense that's really stolen the show. And I guess in that Auburn game, uh, the defense was the one that was playing better, and then they finally broke at the end, and it was the offense that was stagnant, and that's why Oregon didn't win that game, even though they were the better team. And for the first time all year, the defense really struggled. So it was the offense's turn to pick up this Oregon team. And last year, they lost three of their five road games, and in all three of those games, they were down by double digits at the half. And even though they had Herbert under center, it, it just felt like that they really didn't have a shot at coming back in those games. Oregon was a team where if you went, if like if they didn't land the first punch, that they weren't strong enough to fight back. And they did against Washington. And it showed me a different side of how the program has uh, progressed under Mario Cristobal. I like the energy that Oregon's defense plays with. And I know that's not like a super football-y term, but I, I do like the fact that they seemed hyped like anytime they needed to be. And um, it just seems like anytime that they're rushing uh, the quarterback, their hair's on fire. And I, I don't know, I, I, I wish more teams played with the, the heart and the energy that Oregon has on that defensive side, particularly that front seven. I just really, really enjoy watching them play. It's really fun. With that said, I mean, Washington, I thought Jacob Eason had a good game, 23 of 30, uh, 289 and three touchdowns. One of the things that stood out for me was that Salvan Ahmed was able to rush for 140 yards against, um, against Oregon. I, I'm not a big Ahmed fan, but but uh, 20, 20 for 140, and, and his long was 20 yards. He was kind of just grinding and getting those yards when he needed to. Um, but at the end of the day, they were uh, Oregon was able to, to keep him at bay. Uh, I think one other thing, if you're a Washington fan, I love the fact that their new wide receivers are getting getting some love. So Puka Nakua, Jordan Chin, uh, even had like uh, Terrell Bynum out there. That I think he had like 10 catches or something like that. He had a pretty solid game. So um, really fun to see them get in the game. They're one of the biggest frustrations for Washington fans were the drops that were happening in that wide receiving core. And it seems like they're finally shifting to a new set of guys. And, and I know Chico McClatcher got hurt and stuff, but um, it's nice to see the younger guys step up and, and be able to fill a gap there. Rob, a- any other big takeaways from Washington, Oregon? I think if you're a Washington fan and, and we talked about this a little bit that, you know, this is a bit of a rebuilding year for the Huskies. One of the things that we really wanted to see was does, does Bush Hamden look like he can handle it? next year you know when you have so much coming when you're going to have a lot coming back on defense you're also going to have Eason coming back on the offensive side of the ball and this was the best I've seen the Washington offense since Jonathan Smith left 
Um, they were they were very good in this game, and and that's a big takeaway. I think if you are uh, a Washington fan, that uh, the the play calling looked good, the execution looked good, Eason looked terrific on his throws. Like that was those were all really big positives. I think if there's a negative, and we we had talked about it coming into this game. You can really run on Washington. Holy smokes. <laughs> it's not just, I mean, I think, you know, Oregon at, at times has been able to impose their will this season running the football. Uh, and I think they always want to, but everybody, I mean, Stanford, USC, you know, Arizona, everybody's really put, I mean, I mean Cal, everybody's put up rushing yards against the Huskies. Um, and that's something they're going to have to work on and figure out because that's not something they want to be, be carrying into next year um, when they're going to want the defense to really be there, uh, you know, with Eason and Eason coming back. Yeah, Terrell Bynum, by the way, six catches, not ten. Still, that's <laughs> pretty good, you know, at least uh, getting those uh, getting those receptions here. Let's talk about the matchup against Washington State, and then we'll break down Washington State-Colorado when we talk about the Colorado game that's coming up. I don't want to spend too much time here. 14 points seems like a lot, Max. Well, so this opened at 15 and a half, and it's down to 14, even 13 and a half at one book. And the first thing that I thought when I, when I saw this game was letdown spot. I mean, Oregon is coming off an emotional comeback win over their rival. Um, I mean, like, it, I mean, Washington State, they're still a solid team, but they're only one and three in the Pac-12. And, and, and Oregon's going to take them seriously. But, man, how do you how do you come out? after just pulling off the, uh, a game that I think saved your season pretty much. I mean, Oregon probably still would have uh, won the Pac-12 North, even if, if they would have lost to Washington. But now that they're, they're small, college football playoff hopes are still alive, and there's definitely some feeling around the program that, wow, we, we actually did it. And, and then in terms of the line itself, I think it's already very telling that this line opened at 15.5, and, and it's down to 14 and even 13.5 at one book. Uh, people like Oregon's good, but I think Washington state's now a little under the radar and, and they, granted they are coming off that huge win over Colorado, but may, I, I just feel, especially with Oregon, uh, their defensive injuries. I know Troy, Troy Dye came back, but they're one of their cornerbacks, uh, Diamondor Lenore, uh, is injured and I'm not sure what his status is, but you need all the quarterbacks you can need <laughs> to face Washington <laughs> state. And I just think that Oregon's defense, um, like I said earlier, I think it was I think they're good. But I think that they're like really elite numbers before the Washington game were some of it was the result of the schedule. They had played uh, a lot of weak offenses, and, and that's definitely not Washington State. And I mean, the, the big question is whether Washington State's defense uh, can stop Oregon. And it'll be interesting to see if Oregon's offense can will stop itself like what we've seen. Uh, not with the Washington game, but in, in times uh, in other games this season and whether or not Washington State after Tracy Clays resigned, if that defense and I know that they showed uh, signs of improvement against Colorado. But is it because this is a Colorado team that's struggling or if Washington State's defense actually made adjustments uh, that led to their improvement? Uh, because I, I have to admit, I, I did not watch much of that Washington State Colorado game, so I, I can't really tell you Um it, like if it was more like Colorado struggling, if it was more Washington State's defense actually uh, showing signs of improvement. One of the things that I'm curious about here, Rob, is um, Washington State's offense against Oregon's defense, because obviously the air raid, they're going to get theirs. But how solid is this Oregon defense and has a matchup against uh, Anthony Gordon and company? So the model does like the Ducks here. It's it, it opened uh, actually close to where the model had the game. So the model has it at just over 17 in Austin. Um, it's 14 on a neutral site. Um, the 
Uh, Oregon defense comes in at number 16 um, after being a little disappointing last week against Washington. Washington State's offense comes in at number 10. Uh, where Oregon really gets you is, is they they contain big plays, and that's something that's going to be interesting in this matchup because this this Washington State offense is not quite like their offense last year, which is a little more dink and dunk um, and a lot more efficiency passing. Uh, Gordon likes to throw deep uh, much more than, say, Gardner Minshew did last season. So they grade out at number five in explosive drives. Oregon grades out at 10 in containing explosive drives. So this is going to be something to keep an eye on in this game because if Oregon can contain big plays, then they should run away with this game. If Washington State can you know, put up big passes um, and even hit Borgie coming out of the backfield for some big yards, that's going to change the game. It is uh, unsurprisingly, there's a huge offensive split for Washington State. There always is. They're number the they're the number three effective pass team, number one twenty five in effective rush. Oregon not a huge split. They're number sixteen in effective pass after last week, uh, number twenty one in effective rush. Uh, this this is going to be a good matchup, I think. The, you know, the Oregon defense is not. You know, it, it turns out. You know, with some of the adjustments, and it's not just the model isn't just adjusting you for what you did last week. The model's adjusting. You know, re- reevaluating every every drive and every game. Uh, every time I run it, but this will be this will be a good matchup for this Oregon defense to see where they really are, particularly against the pass. The the question I think is you know for this on the other side of the football, as you said, the the Oregon offense is number sixteen uh, in the model. That's a big jump off of last week. They get to go up against the number one hundred one Washington State defense. Not great. The <laughs> Oregon's Oregon's pretty good at explosive drives. Number seventeen. Um, they avoid three and outs and turnovers. They're number eight there. Uh, Washington State doesn't create a lot of turn three and outs. They grade out at 123. Um, they mostly just try to force you to, you know, eventually make a mistake and get off the field. So they're number 71 in drive efficiency. There is a uh, there is a big split though for for a reasonable size split for both of these teams though on, on this side of the ball. So. Uh, Oregon is the number 47 effective rush team, which is sort of odd. I think people expect the Ducks to be more of a, a run-heavy team. But uh, outside of the Washington game, I don't think that they've been as effective running the football as they'd like. Washington State's number 68 in effective rush. So when they've been good on defense, it's normally been at you know stopping run plays. Where the, you know the hay could perhaps be made if you're Justin Herbert is Oregon's number 12 in effective pass. Uh, and Washington State's number 118. And if they can, I think one of the things that really got Colorado into trouble is they got really behind schedule in this game on almost all of their drives. Their defense was constantly giving up points that put them in a, in a hole. And then Colorado special teams and wasn't very good in this game. And Washington State special teams were very good in this game. So there's a lot of hidden yards. Washington State had an excellent field position in this game versus Colorado. Colorado got way behind schedule, and it, I, I think Montez just sort of got into, as that they said in that movie, the replacements into quicksand. Like, you know, everything they did just made it seem to make everything worse. Hmm. If it's 14, I want to take Washington State. But if that line max gets below 13, I think I'm going to be on Oregon. It just seems like I, I know it's not that big of a discrepancy, but. Yeah, like I feel like if you're going to take Washington State plus 14, like. I don't know. It, it just seems like you you, you get like a, only a, a two point middle between Washington State plus fourteen and Oregon minus twelve. Yeah, just two touchdowns though for 
That's that's a lie. I don't know. Who who are you taking? Watch out. I would say watch out here, though, for one thing, and that is that Washington State has had Oregon's number lately. Yep. I, I don't think this is a game that the, I don't think this is a game the Ducks overlook. They have they've lost a lot of games in recent years to to Washington State, and Mike Leach. So does that make sense to you, Max? Yeah. No. I mean, and I was going to bring up the set. Like, I mean, obviously, Crystal Ball has only faced Mike Leach once, and that was last year. And, and Washington State just blew the doors off the ducks uh, in the first half and that and that score last year I mean definitely was not as close as what the final score was um, I'm taking I'm taking Washington State plus 14 uh, I, I don't think it's a best bet um, I just I think it, I think it's a good spot for Washington State and I think that they're slightly underrated in the market all right I'll take wazoo plus the letdown spot too I, I think I think Oregon wins um, I just don't think it'll be as easy as uh, as it's been with a couple other teams they played what about you Rob I'm, I'm going to take the Ducks here. I, I think they come into this game motivated, particularly after last season. Can I just say Mace Funa is so fun to watch. That guy hits so hard. <laughs> like, and he's this freshman guy running out like with his hair on fire. It is really fun to watch him play. All right, let's move on. So we have Cal, 17.5 point underdog on the road at Utah. And, of course, we have talked about Utah 21, ASU 3. And like you mentioned, Max, that game could have been 40 to 3 if, they're, if uh, they hadn't turned the ball over so much. Yeah. And, no, I, I was just, like I was saying before, like the, the Utah defensive line totally took over that game. And now they get a Cal offensive line that allowed nine sacks to Oregon State. So good luck. Uh, th- just this game was so bizarre to me. Nine tackles for a loss for the ASU defense. Four turnovers from Utah. There was a targeting penal- penalty. They're like the, the two teams almost got in a fight. Like it was just, it was super weird and very physical. And Utah just ended up taking uh, taking care of business. Uh, let's just break this game down here. So Cal seventeen and a half points. Um, uh, that that defense though, like still, that gives me a little bit of pause. I just don't see how Cal scores points against Utah, and I can see this being a very similar game to what happened with ASU Max, where I mean. Like if you take a look at Jaden Daniels productivity, four of 18 for 25 yards through the air, one interception, zero picks. I mean, that is just that is crazy town. And I understand that there's offensive line struggles there. It won't be as big of a deal with Cal. But um, is Cal going to be able to, to, to score to cover a 17 and a half point spread, which is quite a few points uh, on the road? Uh, so normally, normally when we say, how is this team going to score and they end up covering? And I feel like this is the first time where I actually I can't see how they score. Um and I, I know the total is, is it's at it opened at forty and it's now at thirty eight and a half. And oh my gosh. Is, <laughs> and this and, and and this is normally the type of spot where it's such an it's such a a, a big favorite in such in a game with such a low total. Like it's almost like you have to take the underdog. Um I mean for now this game is a stay away for me just until I know Tyler Huntley's status because he yeah. left uh with an injury in the Arizona state game. And if he doesn't play, I, I, I feel like I'm going to have to end up taking Cal. Um, if he does play, I still think that that Cal defense is, is really susceptible to the run, which kind of makes this uh, a nightmare matchup uh, for them. Just because I think Zach Moss is the best running back in the conference. And I think that Cal's defense is really going to have a tough time stopping him. But if there is anyone that I just feel like just uh, Justin Wilcox versus Andy Ludwig chess match is going to be really interesting 
because I, I don't, Cal isn't going to allow many explosive plays. I think a lot of Utah's damage is going to be done on the ground in this one. Yeah, how is uh, Cal's rush defense right now, Rob, compared to uh, what – and now and Zach Moss got – I mean, got hit for targeting and came back into the game. And congratulations, congratulations to him, by the way, for uh, breaking the Utah all-time rushing record and uh, really had himself a pretty solid game. But um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that that front seven could give them a little bit of trouble and force Utah to pass the ball. And again, we don't know what's going on with Huntley. So um, how does that matchup look in beta rank? I mean, so Cal's defense did, I mean, it sounds weird to say they did improve off of last, like from their performance last week, Oregon state is still grading out well in the model on offense. Um, so Cal's defense comes in at number 15, but there's a heat, they have a huge split. I mean, and we talked about this, that they might have the best secondary in the country. They grade out at number two in effective pass. They're number 59 in effective rush. I mean, they just, they kind of stink <laughs> against the run. Um, and that, that's something you, you don't want to stink against the run against Andy Ludwig. You just don't, um, you know, he's going to cut, he will come at you um, with, you know, because in his offense uh, and particularly if you've watched any Utah this season, you know, you're getting guys coming in, you know, wide receivers coming in, flankers coming in, getting handoffs, you know, to run outside the tackles uh, with the full head of steam. You have Zach Moss coming right at you up the middle. Utah grades out at number 23 in effective rush. I do have some concerns. I mean, if, if Huntley doesn't play for sure. And, and um, Shelly was, was, it turns out is not Utah's backup. And the guy that is Utah's backup, whose name I've already forgotten, made me wonder what, what, what where Shelly was like, if he was even dressed because he was not very good. Now I'll grant you, it was a torrential downpour in Salt Lake. So um, not many, not many passes were had by anyone, but yeah, I, I liked, I think, this this is a pretty effective matchup if you are uh, Utah, even if Huntley doesn't play. Uh, and I have huge concerns uh, about the other side of the ball if Cal will be able to put up yards because you're right, like Monster really hasn't worked. The passing offense really hasn't worked. They grade out at number 108 now in offense. I feel like I feel like the the model has finally caught up with Cal's offense after the injuries. Um, Utah's up to number two on defense. Um, and like I said, like, I think the USC, like it is unfortunate that they had to go to lose the USC, but I sort of feel like it woke them up. Um, they're number one at containing explosive drives. Um, they're just not getting about big plays in this game. They're number one in effective rush. They're number eight in effective pass. Um, I mean, they've had some very good games shutting, you know, shutting folks down, including Washington state's offense, which is very good. Oh, they, they put uh, a uke in a bottle and like poked holes in it basically, you know, yeah. so you could breathe. I mean, it was really impressive what they were able to do to, to shut it and, down. And, and Max is right. Like the, you know, if Oregon state's defense is getting that many sacks against you. I mean, Daniels took some shots in this game. I mean, that like Daniels is still figuring it out. Like I, I, there are some folks that I've talked to recently that thought that Jaden Daniels is like really made like exponential leaps and bounds jumps. Like, I, I think he's still learning on the job, but I, I do think that in this game, like this is going to be a real tough game for uh, whoever Cal has back there playing quarterback. I'll take Utah, um, but I don't, I, I mean, I'm not really taking this until I know, whether or not Huntley's going to play. If Huntley plays and he's healthy, like I'm, I'm definitely taking Utah. If he doesn't, I'm taking Cal and I'm taking the points and I'm sure that the, you know, the line will move up and down based on that. But Max, do you want to make a pick? It's kind of difficult with that quarterback situation. 
I mean, even if even if Huntley plays, I'm still not betting this game. I just I cannot bet a game with that big of a spread with that low of a total. Can't do it. Um, I'm gonna like based on this line. I'm gonna uh, go under the assumption that Huntley is gonna play, and I I would take Utah minus eighteen if he does. I guess the other. Um, I guess the one red flag that I would say for this game is I actually think this is a sandwich spot for Cal just because Utah is coming off a game where they now grab the Pac-12 South by the by the throat with their dismantling of Arizona State. And then uh, next week, they go at Washington. Um, so this Cal game could be a very easy one to overlook for Utah. But I, I just I, I like I like the matchups too much in this one. Uh, for me to like, you know, for me to, I guess, side with Cal, but that's that like between the, the spread itself and the low total and, and the spot, I can't bet actual money on Utah, but if I, I mean, if I have to pick, I'll, I'll go Utah minus 18. No, good call on that sandwich spot too. I mean, this scream stay away, but Rob, you got to make a pick. What do you pay? Who are you taking? I'm going to take Utah here. The model's got them at uh, almost 22 and a half points at home um, in this game. Like there's not, neither team has a huge special teams advantage. Like there's, this is just like, I, I, Cal's got a good defense. They just, they're not good against the run. And that just happens to be what Utah excels at. All right. Up next is my bookie. I'm actually, I'm really excited that they are a sponsor. I use my bookie. I've actually used this promo code. It works. And we, we used it to do some sleazy parlesies, uh, for a very long period of time, Rob, th- throughout bowl season last year. And, uh, so it's, it's October already. Uh, the NBA is up on Tuesday, which Max just told me about, which was pretty exciting. I didn't even realize that they were starting. The NFL is heating up. We're getting into the the heart of college football season. And no better time to bet on the games uh, than now. MyBookie.ag. Use a promo code OVERTIME, and they will match your first deposit, which is awesome. Like We, we did this. We put a, a decent amount of money in there, and we're able to get it doubled. And we just basically were able to do a lot of fun stuff with it. That's MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code OVERTIME to uh, to get your first deposit doubled. We've talked about the spreads on this podcast and uh, my bookie kind of rides along that. So I do try to use their spreads as we as we go through <laughs> uh, this podcast. So check them out um, again. MyBookie.ag, use the promo code overtime, get your first deposit matched. MyBookie.ag, you pay, you win, you get paid. And let's get on to our next game here, which is USC, an 11 and a half point favorite on the road at Colorado. And Rob, USC just stomped all over Arizona at home. Yeah, I mean, this was a really solid game, I suppose you could say, for the Trojans. They uh, they were able to clamp down on Arizona's offense. Uh, Arizona's offensive line really struggled, really struggled in the game. Um, and Khalil Tate uh, held the ball too long and uh, took some sacks and bailed on the pocket a little too often. Uh, in the other on the other side of the football, I mean, the 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 Trojan offense. It sputtered a little bit for a little while against Arizona's offense, but I mean, I think they, the, you know, the sheer weight of the field position that they were being gifted uh, in the game um, and the number of possessions that they had against that Arizona defense really started to tell, and they were able to uh, really exert themselves. I think that the game got really out of hand. Max, you've mentioned Colorado being in a tailspin right now. They still have injury issues. Their defense isn't good. Um, that offense has been sputtering and now they have a perplexing USC team that doesn't perform great. <laughs> like I do not trust them on the road and 11 and a, and a half points is a lot, but I do think that's a fair line when considering the talent that they're going up against here in Boulder. What do you think? 
No, I mean, on the surface, you're going to think USC's air raid and those uh, incredibly town wide receivers against Colorado's <laughs> really poor uh, pass defense. So, no, I, I understand where the line is coming from. But USC is really beat up, banged up. I mean, uh, they were running – like they had a walk on it running back at one point, and, and then they finally went to true freshman Keaton Christian, and he looked great um, in his limited action. But, yeah, like all, the, the three top running backs are injured. Uh, on the defense, there are a ton. And especially, I mean, Talanoa Hufunga, uh, he was uh, the big name who got injured in the Arizona game, So, and his status is probably up in the air against Colorado. But yeah, the secondary, the linebacking core, even uh, star defensive end Drake Jackson, USC is like really, really banged up. And going on a short week to Boulder in the altitude, that's not a great matchup for a team that's already struggling with depth just because of all the injuries. And you're getting a Colorado team that's been, they've absolutely been wiped the floor of the past two games. Um so I actually I, – I think that this is a nice uh, game to back Colorado in. I can, I can see that. I can see that. Um, it, it's not like – I know Montez had a number of difficult games, but it's not like the talent isn't there. Those wide receivers are still on the field. LaVisca Chenault is healthy. Uh, but it's that defense, Rob, that makes me real, real worried. I mean, and I understand, like, you talk about big names, Drake Jackson, who is amazing up in that front line. You have, like uh, Max mentioned, Talanoa Funga hurt, and he he's just been really fun to watch as a d- defensive player. There's a lot of injuries, but um, most of those injuries aren't quite on uh, the area where I think it's going to be the biggest strength against Colorado's biggest weakness, and that's that pass offense against Colorado's defense. What do those numbers look like? This is an interesting matchup because that the one of the things that has happened in the model of late is that it's really, I think, caught up with where Colorado's offense has been. They're great out at 70 in beta rank right now. So this is a there's a pretty big discrepancy between these teams. USC comes in at 23, Colorado comes in at 82. USC's offense, they've been they've been all right. Like they've 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 been improving, I guess. But I think the big thing here is just that the model really believe like I guess you could say believes that Colorado's offense just isn't like similar to last season as they've hit the conference play. The wheels have started to come off a little bit and teams have started to figure them out. They uh, they do have a big split. They're number 44. Colorado's number 44 in effective pass, number 84 in effective rush. That's not great here because USC's number 21 in effective pass. They've been decent at getting, you know, getting some pass rush going. Like they've not been great against the run. They're number 52 there, but Colorado's not great at running the football. I think what the you're at the the matchup here that sort of made depend you know determine things is how could Colorado slow down these USC wide receivers. USC comes in at 23 on offense. They're not quite in Washington state range, but they do have a big offensive split. So they're number 13 in effective pass, number 68 in effective rush, but Colorado's 120 in effective pass. Um, you know, 58 against the run, but USC doesn't run the ball a lot. And if their three top running backs are out, then all you might be asking that back do is to back to do is stick in and chip the rush. So this is a this is a game the model likes the Trojans in. It's got them as a 16 point favorite uh, in this game at Colorado. Uh, I I don't I don't I guess you could say I don't know where Colorado's head's going to be at in this game because that that matchup against Washington State should have been a more favorable matchup for them than it was. I mean, given that their splits and what they like to do, and they just didn't show up. So 
I kind of don't know where Colorado is going to be. It's, it's sort of, uh, it's odd to think back that they went on the road and beat Arizona state not too long ago. I'll take the points. I think this is a bounce back spot for Colorado. I don't think they win the game, but, um, man, all those things going against USC with the injuries, it, it's on the road at altitude short week, like Max mentioned. So I think if this was a normal game, I would definitely take USC, but I'll take the 11 and a half and a max. It sounds like that's what you're going to do as well. Yeah. And one other thing, um, and I, I guess kind of different than um, this example earlier in the season, but Utah, uh, they got shredded by USC's air raid and, and Graham Harrell. And then the week after they faced Washington State's air raid. And I feel like maybe and USC's receivers are much more t- like they're more talented than Washington State's and Graham Harrell's air raid. It, it's not the same as Mike Leach's, but I still think that Utah having that experience the week before in trying to defend uh, that air raid helped, I think, stop or slow down Washington states. And I don't think that Colorado is going to completely shut down USC's uh, passing attack. That would be pretty wild. But I do think that that experience the previous week, like it'll give them a more general idea of how to try and and defend it. So I think that that's another positive uh, factor for Colorado. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking the points here. All right. Well, let's let's move on. But before we do, the next segment here is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, which is the brand new streaming sports network live 24 seven costs you nothing. And I I love this channel. So I'm a big fan of uh, the CBS college basketball podcast, Gary Parish, and he's on here all of the time giving out college basketball tips. If you're into gambling and I'm sure you are, if you're paying attention to this show, they have excellent experts that are giving out advice for free um, anywhere on your smartphone, your tablet, your computer. Um, when I turn on Sports HQ, I'm always looking for stuff that I haven't seen before. And, and right now it's college basketball. We talk a lot about football here, uh, but college basketball is w- where it's at. And that really getting good advice um, from people that know those conferences is really important. So I love tuning in and checking that out. Uh, don't forget, you can access everything completely free uh, and not free for a month or a week like like free f-r-e-e you don't even need a login go on any computer download the cbs sports app and watch cbs sports hq today moving on moving on asu a three-point favorite on the road at ucla ucla of course coming off that surprising win 34 to 16 over stanford we've already talked about asu's loss uh to utah so let's give a little bit more love to the bruins and what they were able to do to stanford rob yeah, uh, they were. They actually were able to move the football, which is something I was maybe not convinced that UCLA could do. Uh, and Dorian Thompson Robinson looked good. He found Coda pretty often uh, in the game. They were able to run the ball effectively on Stanford's defense. Yeah, I mean Stanford, I think started to crumple a little bit when it realized that the offense, you know, wasn't going to be able to put it together with the third string QB in there. But great performance for the Bruins, who I think a lot of people had started to leave for dead in the conference. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, like you mentioned, two touchdowns, uh, one on the ground as well, total of three. Josh Kelly, 175 yards on the ground. Uh, the defense really stood out for me. 11 tackles for a loss, seven sacks, and four quarterback hurries. And then if you flip it around, Stanford, nine tackles for a loss, three sacks, four quarterback hurries. Everybody was running for their life all of the time in this game. It was very fun to watch. Um, Max, I, I know that you were on Stanford as a good pick. Um, we didn't know who oh, the I was on UCLA. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, I know you're on UCLA. Great pick. We didn't know who the Stanford quarterback was. But even even with that, like, I, I just thought that with Stanford, like, I, I know they had a bunch of 
uh, of turmoil on the offensive line. I just didn't think it was going to matter with UCLA, and it certainly did. And what what else did UCLA do to just kind of stomp on the throat here at Stanford? Because this was a convincing win. Well, I'm sorry if any family members or friends of Jack West are listening to this podcast, but I, I really I'm not entirely buying this UCLA performance. I just think that Jack West was not ready for prime time. I thought he was absolutely abysmal. And I just think that having an absolute zero in quarterback play for that game really, you know, kind of it, it screwed over Stanford. And I, I, and saying that, though, this line is it's the trap line of the week because it's down to two and a half ASU as a road favorite. And they are absolutely begging you to take Arizona State in this game. So book, so obviously with this line, books are thinking that UCLA is going to win this game outright. I just, mm, I, I, like I said, like I'm not buying the Bruins win over Stanford. Stanford's been inconsistent this whole season. The offense was an absolute disaster with with its third string quarterback. And I, I think that this is a, a totally different game if either uh, KJ Costello or Davis Mills is under center instead of Jack West. And and I think. The other thing is that, I mean, UCLA, they were, they actually averaged more yards per carry than they did yards per throw in this game. And where you can be, and Arizona State is much more susceptible giving up gains through the air than on the ground this season. So I I don't think that this is a good matchup for UCLA. And I I just think that ASU, after getting embarrassed, and Herm Herm Edwards after the game was like, yeah, I can't believe that the emotions uh, got the best of us in that game. I think ASU is totally going to come out ready to play in this one, and I still don't think this is a good UCLA team. I think that Stanford win was smoke and mirrors. So, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll step right into the trap and hope I make it out, but I, I have to go Arizona State in this game. <laughs> Max, I 100% agree with you. I took a look at this line and went, oh, Vegas is just dangling that furry. But I, I, this is just a terrible matchup for, for, uh, for UCLA. UCLA's pass offense is terrible, and it's not like Jaden Daniels can't throw the ball. I think that ASU has solid wide receivers, and they haven't been able to run the ball super well this entire year like you mentioned their pass uh, the pass defense for asu is okay but dorian thompson robinson i'm not worried about and the run defense is pretty good (laughs) rob what am i missing here yeah i i I was surprised i mean beta rank doesn't have this vastly different but i also think that beta rank it, it doesn't see injuries so ucla is getting a little extra credit for um, beating Stanford with its third string quarter, you know, Stanford playing the third string quarterback. So the Bruins defense in, you know, in that world where it doesn't see the quarterback injuries is up to 64. Um, but you're right. They have a huge split in this game. They're number 27 against the run, but they're one of three against the pass. Um, and that, that is even with playing Stanford's, you know, Stanford's terrible passing offense last week, Arizona state, they, they, they have struggled on the offensive line, but, uh, and that has hurt their ability to run the football. They're number 70 there, but they're number 41 with the pass. And if you can, you know, give Daniels any kind of time, uh, in this game, or he's got really talented wide receivers that I, I really like to get open here. Um, ASU's got a pretty decent special teams advantage in this game. They're number 31 versus number 76 for UCLA. So look out for that. Um, some hidden yards with Turk punting the ball there. And UCLA's offense, they're not really that great. They're number 61. Um, ASU's defense, they're not amazing, but they're at 28. That's pretty good for considering where they were last year. Um, and they mostly, you know, contain big drives. 
Uh, so they're number 26 there. They've got a somewhat decent run pass split, I guess you could say. They're number 25 against the run, number 40, 41 against the pass. UCLA doesn't really have a split. Like they're number 62 running the football, number 52 throwing the football. It's just it's it's not necessarily a good matchup. And I, I do think that the model may be sort of giving the Bruins an unfair bump here. So they, the model has it at uh asu is a four-point favorite on the road and i'm, I'm going to take the sun devils here all right all three of us taking the devils and uh and daring vegas you all undoubtedly lose right <laughs> i know i feel yeah i like yeah no i think he's like now that we all picked it and with the line being this dangerous what ucla somehow they're gonna win but no i'm I'm, we're, I'm still sticking with my pick even though i think it's just based off the line i think it's the wrong side but just based i like Normally with those type of trap games, like I can at least come up with like arguments on the other side for why I can choose it and then end up trying to avoid the trap. But in this one, I I just don't have many arguments for taking UCLA. Mm. Well, I think the trap game, this next one is where it's at. And that's Arizona is a three point favorite on the road at Stanford. And I think Vegas is daring you to take Stanford right now. I mean, like three point dog at home, Stanford against an Arizona team that got squashed by USC. And Max, before we started recording, we had talked a little bit about this game. I think we might be on opposite sides here. Who do you like? Uh, well, I obviously, like, like we said, or like I said, with the UCLA Stanford game, like I'm waiting to see the Stanford quarterback news. Cause if yeah. it's Jack West, then <laughs> I think that like, I still think that Arizona is still favored as a three or uh, favorite. I still think that Arizona is still a bit inflated as, as a three point, uh, road favorite, but I, I, I can't spend my hard earned money betting on the Cardinal offense with their third string quarterback. But if Costello and Mill or or Mills plays, um, I like I'd imagine that the line moves to at least uh, Stanford Pickham, maybe maybe even like Stanford minus one minus two. But I, I think that the the differential on the spread between West and either Mills or Costello, and, and I have Mills and Costello, it's it's not that big of a difference, maybe point and a half two between those two quarterbacks. Um, I just think that that value is easily worth. Uh, a touchdown if not more um i just think that this is i mean kevin sumlin i i i just i can't trust that coaching staff um i think that grant Cannell should be the quarterback and, and i think if they trot out quill tate in this game that it's a mistake uh and you know i david shaw as a home underdog has, has usually been very money uh i know it burned me um, when i when i made or when i bet on stanford earlier this season against oregon when Stanford was a double digit home dog in that one, but that I got burned because of uh, Costello just looking completely hurt in that game. The Stanford defense was actually fine. Uh, I guess the dangerous thing about this game is Stanford. I mean, there are quite a few inconsistent teams in the PAC 12, but I feel like Stanford might be the most inconsistent of them all. You don't really know which one you're going to get. I just don't think that this Arizona team should be a three point uh, road favorite over anyone in the conference. There definitely is a quarterback controversy in Tucson right now. Uh, if you watch the USC game and, and frankly, the Washington game, Khalil Tate looked terrible, bad decisions. He's holding on the ball for too long. He's running into sacks, uh, not reading his offense. And one of the things about uh, Noel Mazzoni offense is you need a quarterback that has pretty smart field awareness. And that certainly hasn't been the case with 
with Tate and the fact that teams are on to Tate running and his willing unwillingness to run as often as he has in the past. It's just, it's a total disaster. And Rob, Kevin Sumlin had mentioned in his press conference that Tate's going to start against Stanford, which I also agree with Max would be a mistake, but I, I, I tend to think that might just be some posturing right now. And we might see Grant Gannell in there. What, what would he bring to this Arizona team? Because he's not bad. No, I mean, I, I think one of the main things that, uh, if you have a bad offensive line, you can, there's sort of two strains of thought like, Oh, put in a mobile quarterback, he'll be able to get away from the pass rush. Uh, and I don't think that that's necessarily worked with Khalil Tate <laughs> for Arizona because right now, I mean, what you saw somewhat in the Washington game, uh, and then definitely in the USC game, I mean, Arizona's got both starting guards out. It is not a deep line. They had to bring in two Juco players in the off season. Uh, it, it, they really struggled. Uh, and if you, there, there were just times when Arizona let guys that were lined up on the line come free uh, at the quarterback uh, against USC. It was it was one of those things of like guys like, do we need to do the things where we point with our fingers at who we're taking? I, th- I think that Gunnell, what he does is he gets the ball out quickly. And that's sort of, I mean, like Washington State, aside from the guy that went in the first round, didn't have a great offensive line last year. Uh, Minshew just got the ball out in a hurry, uh, made his reads. I mean, really made good pre-snap reads. And I think that's something that Gunnell does better than Tate, which is not something you'd expect to say of a, a freshman versus a senior, but Gunnell, I think, does make pretty good pre-snap reads. He, he understands when the pressure's coming. He's not going to try to necessarily run away from it. Uh, he's going to try to get the ball out in a hurry or throw it away. And that's a big advantage, I think, if you're Arizona, because Tate took, I mean, beyond the sacks that he took where he got hit, I mean, he ran out of bounds like four times, <laughs> I believe, for sacks, you know, holding the football I mean, there's just been some really questionable decision making, I think. And I, I, I do think also that Stanford's got the got the horses, particularly with two hill to to chase Tate down. I think they've got some players that have some speed. And if Arizona's offensive line struggles, like I, I think you could see Gunnell early. I don't know that I, I think Sumlin, I, I think that if you're just managing a football team, Arizona's got a ton coming back next year. You know, you play the freshman now. You want to get him as many reps as possible to set your team up because clearly this year's team is sort of a patchwork. But uh, the flip side of it is it's hard to walk away from a guy that's been a star senior. How are you managing the rest of that locker room? I, I think someone is sort of still continuing to manage that. So I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Tate start this game, even though I think Gunnell is probably your best play at this point. And Arizona's defense has come on to some extent. One of the things that's been a problem, and again, it's surprising to say this because they were such a mess last year and, and coming into the first couple of games of, of this year, but that defense held its own against Washington. It was just the offense that wasn't able to get the, the ball going. And that seemed to be the case against USC where the defense did everything that it could against a, a pretty solid USC defense and a pretty solid Washington offense. And now they face a, even with uh, Costello or even with, uh, um, who's the other guy? Who's the, the backup? Uh, Davis. I, the, the, Davis. Yeah, Davis. I, I'm not as scared of those folks as I am a Slovis and the wide receivers that USC had. Um, and I just think that Arizona will be able to move the ball against Stanford. I, I don't know that this is, this might be the, the bet of the week for me. I, I just think Arizona can come in and win this game fairly handily because I, I just do not trust Stanford. And I'm more confident about Arizona's defense. And if it's Gunnell, I do think they're going to be able to move that ball. But Max, it just seems like 
I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised that we're on different sides here because uh, this one was the one that jumped out to me by going. It was interesting because Arizona fans all said, wow, I think I thought Stanford should be favored by three. And I'm like, Stanford sucks. Like Stanford is not a good team. And if Arizona can get that ball moving, uh, you know, and it depends on who someone's going to pick. But uh, I mean, I'm going to wait to see who's all playing in this game. But if it's still three or even if it's even, I'm, I'm taking Arizona. And this might be one of the better bets that I'll make this this week. But um, so sure. are so even if Mills or Costello play, you still think that Arizona is a best bet for you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because their because, offensive line is still is still a problem, too. I mean, Arizona's offensive line is also a problem, but um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I think Stanford's front seven is fine, but you can throw against them. And I think Arizona's running backs are, are pretty solid, too. Um, I don't know. This seems like a pretty good matchup. Yeah. I, I mean, I personally... Uh, if if Mills is playing, and I think that that's the most likely outcome, I would have this game Stanford minus three. Yeah, I think that I think I think that these teams are even. If I'm being honest, and so the three is for Palo Alto home field advantage. Well, keep an eye on this game. So uh, Arizona's special teams are atrocious, but it's one thing in particular that really stands out. I mean, well, it's two things: it's the punt returns and the punt uh, the punting, uh, and if. If you watched any of that USC Arizona game or some of those watched that Washington game, when the game was still sort of in doubt, um, if Arizona punted the ball and then USC punted the ball, um, anytime they were exchanging punts, Arizona was losing almost 20 yards in field position every time. Um, and that's dangerous in this game. So the Arizona is really going to have to get the special teams or, I mean, get, get something going on offense because uh, Stanford special teams grade out at number 52. Arizona is at 117. I mean, it's a really, really big disadvantage for Arizona. Another thing, though, um, for Stanford special teams, Jet Toner got injured in the UCLA game. Oh, that's true. And I don't know Stanford's situation. <laughs> so many injuries. In yeah. And, and, I know, and I know it's weird to say that, you know, a kicker injury could – could make an impact, but Toner's a solid kicker. And if that forces David Shaw to be more aggressive, that could be really interesting. Stanford special teams, I mean, at 52, that's a big advantage over Arizona, but that's not great. And if you lose, like, the, you know, a solid college kicker is worth, you know, you know, 10, 10 spots or so at least, especially your special teams rank. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's get to our best bets right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, final segment. Let's take a look at the slate and identify one of the bets that we want to take. Um, I, I would like to see who the quarterback is for Stanford, but I am inclined to take Arizona. But I, I actually, well, I'll set that one aside. I'm going to take ASU minus three against UCLA. I know this is a trap line, but this one just screams out as, as a game that I think ASU has all of those boxes checked in terms of the matchups against UCLA. So um, I'll pick that one. What do you think, Max? What, what stands out for you this week? This is hard because honestly, nothing like really jumps out to me like Oregon State did last week. Um, first, first glance, not doing that much, much research. I'll go Washington State plus 14. 
Okay. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, it is a weird week. Like that when we're looking at the trap lines, and going, "Ooh, that one looks tasty." You know that it might be one where we should probably back off on the week. But what do you think, Rob? What are you taking? Uh, I'm going to take Utah at home. Uh, I think I think the Utes are motivated, uh, and uh, I do think that um, Cal's offense is just a disastrous mess right now, and I, I don't have any confidence that they're going to have that solved, particularly against this Utah defense. All right. Well, with that said, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at 12 pack radio, Max, you've been cranking out real good stuff. Where can people find your stuff and, and what's coming up this week for you? Sure. So you can follow me at the Max Meyer on Twitter, uh, or you can read my work at uh, sports illustrated gambling, which is si.com slash gambling. And even though best bets went two and three last week with the two wins being Oregon state and Kansas, which <laughs> you took <should've>. Kansas. <laughs> but yes, I did. Hell yeah. Yes, um, I mean, Texas, Texas was coming off, uh, you know, they're a close win or uh, sorry, a close loss, uh, to their top rival in Oklahoma. And this, and that loss was basically the nail in the coffin to their, uh, high hopes this season. Cause they, they got that, uh, second loss and Texas, I mean, all the injuries they had really beat up and Kansas coming off a of bye week, uh, they switched offensive coordinators in that bye, So Texas didn't really. Have, I mean, they, they didn't have any tape to prepare for for Kansas's new offense. And so, yeah, I, I just thought that 21 and a half was a lot for that game. So those were the two wins and the three losses were Washington, which I thought was the right side, uh, Arizona State, which was definitely not the right side, and Oklahoma State, which was a four-point favorite over Baylor, and that was also not the right side. But still, Ooh. I'm 23. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 the model had Baylor in that, like, uh, Baderang had Baylor in the game. That game was one of the games that uh, it had to go in the other direction versus the spread. Yeah, for that, I, I just looked at the spot um, just because, I, obviously, Baylor undefeated. But they, I mean, coming off a double overtime win over Texas Tech and Oklahoma State yeah. a bye. And then they, and they had lost their last game by 10 against Texas Tech. And then also Baylor had a really big injury. Uh, their, their linebacker, Clay Johnson, who him and David Lynch, their uh, star defensive end, those are the two best players on that defense. And I just thought losing a linebacker of Johnson's caliber against the rushing attack with Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders and running back uh, Chuba Hubbard, like that probably would have been too much to overcome. But Matt Rule's an amazing coach. I mean, I, I totally wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, as an NFL coach one day. And this Baylor team... 7-0 and I don't I don't think that they're a threat to Oklahoma I think Iowa State is probably the biggest threat in the Big 12 to them yeah but very very impressive performance nonetheless um but yeah but anyway so after that two and three I'm now 23 and 13 on the season with best bets and that's good for a 63.9 percentage Ooh, hot fire uh, I almost always read that uh, that thing I had friends over this time or else I would have been all over <laughs> Yeah, I would have tweeted that you're taking Kansas like nobody's business because that was a great pick. Um, Rob, we are excited about Sharp College Football. I officially did the handoff of Wildcat Radio over to Saul Bookman. So have some time to work on uh, on the website with you. What do we got going? So right now, uh, what you can find on Sharp College Football, of course, is all of the stats. Beta ranks updated. It's all in-season data. Um, and I've, I've been in conversations. Bryant, I think, is going to start pushing out some content on the site, uh, You know, talking about some folks maybe for the end of this season or next season uh, about potentially adding some more content onto the site. But anything you want with BetaRank is on there. Um, 
the model itself is 58 and a half against the spread this season. Um, and even weeks like last week where I was, I was sort of biting my nails, it went 59%. So uh, I feel like it's hitting its stride. Rolling, rolling, rolling. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. We will catch you next week. Share the podcast if you like it. We'd appreciate it. Write a review and uh, have a wonderful afternoon.